after they failed to get home on on any of those red zone trips against the Colts, it, it was clear that this was where that regression was coming. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content and Senior Titans Contributor here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We are brought to you as well by 440 Podcast Network. Welcome to the show. Happy Victory Monday for everybody that is a celebrating Titans fan after a big win over the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. We're recording this on Sunday night, so the reason I look so nice is because I'm here recording the show fresh from the press box at Nissan Stadium covering the game. Um, I'm joined, of course, by producer JT. JT, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. Happy Victory Monday. Got to be probably the biggest Victory Monday of the season so far. Yeah, absolutely. This win means more for the Titans than any of the wins they've had so far. Of course, getting uh, the season sweep over the Colts for the second year in a row now before Halloween, both in 2021 and this year in 2022, getting the Colts swept in the division and, you know, Unlike last year, where it felt like the Colts' chances of winning the division were over after the Titans' second win, this one I wouldn't say their chances are over. They are three, three and one. The Titans are now four and two. But the Colts' division record one, three and one now. The Titans at two and zero. Oh, brutal. Uh, it's going to take a lot of wins in a row for this Colts team to come back and win the division. So the Titans in really good shape atop the AFC South. We got a lot to talk today about in the episode. Um, it, it's it's a Monday, so of course we're talking about the winners and losers from this past game, and I've got six of them, like usual. If you uh, want to read about what I had to say, some more context than you may get in the show, go and read my article, uh, Winners and Losers, from the Titans' 19-10 to victory over the Colts at broadwaysportsmedia.com. It is already up and available by the time that you're listening to this. So let's let's talk a little bit about this game. Before we get into the winners and losers, first of all, Somebody, I hope, was checking on Jim Ursay after this game. Um, he needs to be kept away from any sharp objects or descending stairs. Um, he's probably not in great shape after the hissy fit that he threw last year about how the Titans can't continue to beat his precious Colts, and now they continue to beat his precious Colts. I saw on Twitter before the show that Fire Frank is trending, so things are going really great with the Indianapolis Colts. But this is a Titans show, so let's talk about them they get this this win and it, it brings them to four and two they're riding a four game win streak of course um they improved to two and oh in the afc south uh for the second uh season in a row they managed to sweep the colts and it means a lot this year in particular i think just because this colts team well i guess you could make the case that last year this mattered as well but this colts team with a new quarterback i would not be shocked if they figure something out around mid-season and become a much better team in the second half. Now, will they? I, I don't know. They may end up just being bad. Matt Ryan might be washed. The offensive line may be untenable. But it wouldn't shock me if they got a lot better. And the fact that the Titans get both of these games even earlier than the two games they had against the Colts last year, I think will, in hindsight, prove to be a benefit to the Titans. And so moving to 2-0 and with both of their wins over the Colts is a big deal. And then the Jaguars, they lost in kind of heartbreaking fashion to the New York Giants who remain the luckiest team in football right now. The Jaguars, I believe, were inside the red zone, inside the 10-yard the line, rather. 
three separate times in this game and came away with no points. There was a Travis Etienne fumble on the one. It was a rough one for them. They take a loss. And so Tennessee is in complete control of the division with a trip to Houston on the horizon next week. So they're in good shape in terms of their record and in terms of the division. But there was plenty from this week seven performance that was not so great. So let's dive into these week seven winners and losers before we do. If you are not subscribed to the show and you're listening right now, I'm not even going to get into the substance of it before I tell you, you have to go and subscribe. So go subscribe to the show, leave a rating and a review, five-star rating, and then review with whatever words you like to throw on your screen and have us read on air on the show. We will shout you out. It means a lot to us when you leave us a review. So please go and do that. It takes you 10 seconds. It's really, really helpful. We will appreciate it if you do that. So the first winner this week is Andrew Adams. Now, if you didn't know who he was before today, I wouldn't blame you. He's one of the 10,000 different safeties and defensive backs the Titans have brought in over the past month, essentially. They've brought in, seriously, at least a dozen different defensive backs during the work week um, just to to try them out, and that's been partially a result of constant injury issues, Um, and it's partially a result of the fact that they think they need more depth at the safety position, even when everybody is healthy. So Andrew Adams joined the team in week two. He was signed off of the Steelers practice squad. And then he first started in place of Amani Hooker in week four, when Hooker was out with a concussion, he played as a reserve player in week five before the bye week. And then this week in week seven, he had his breakout performance uh, as a Tennessee Titan. He had the only touchdown for the Titans on the entire day scoring a pick six, 76 yards. He returned this ball uh, early in the second quarter. One one of Matt Ryan's bad interceptions today, of which he had two. It was the first one, and Adams had all day to run on this one. It was a pick six from the second he got his hands on the ball. I asked him about it in the locker room after the game. Here's what he had to say. They got big. They got big. I broke on the ball. I was like, please throw it, please throw it. He threw it. When you look back and there's nobody there, you got open field. I mean, that's got to be a good feeling. Yeah, that's when I started kind of celebrating. Uh Uh, It was my first pick six, so I had to make sure nobody was chasing me or going to catch me. So I was kind of peeking back just a little bit just to make sure. But yeah. I also asked Andrew about having been in the league as long as he has. I believe he's in his seventh year now. Just how he managed to find a landing spot in Tennessee that is proving to be a successful one. What he attributes that success to, um, mainly his answer was the Titans culture. I'll let him explain just what he sees in this team and why he thinks it's been such a great fit for him. You've been in the league for a while. What's it about this situation here in Tennessee that you think is leading to the success? Um, I think it's just the culture, you know, um, the, the, the fight mentality that don't quit, uh, the family, the positive vibes, you know, that are just circled around in the building. I just feel like everybody's so engaged into what, you know, our goal is. And I think that really makes the difference. Now, with the way that Adams played in this game, it wouldn't shock me at all if he becomes a a bona fide member of this team, a rotational player at safety. The Titans ran a lot of three safety looks today. They had a Monty Hooker in his first game back from the concussion playing a lot of nickel safety. He, he did a lot of that in his senior year of college, and he came out, his draft report from a lot of folks included his potential 
as a coverage nickel safety playing on the ball a lot more um, than he has in his experience with the Titans so far. If he ends up becoming more of that, I think it would be a result of the Titans deciding, hey, we've got guys in Kevin Byard and, and Andrew Adams that can hold down the true free safety, strong safety looks further deep in the backfield. Let's have a talented guy like Imani Hooker help out our lack of cornerback depth. Let's have him play a little bit more of that coverage safety role. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe this was just a, a breakout game, kind of a one-hit wonder game for an Andrew Adams. But the way that he's trending and the way that he's looking, the way he looked in this game, he looks like a guy that could be a bona fide member of this team. The first loser today is the red zone offense. Now, we talked about this last week. This was a category that was just bound to see some regression. Tennessee came into week seven with a league leading 91% touchdown rate in the red zone. And that's that's a, a rate that nobody else in the league on that ranking leaderboard even comes close to. I believe the next closest team was at like 76%. So they're nearly perfect 10 for 11 on red zone trips. That they came into this game with it ended up falling to 10 for 13. They, of course, the offense did not get into the end zone at all today. They had four field goals after they failed to get home on, on any of those red zone trips against the Colts. It was clear that this was where that regression was coming they didn't end up finding the Ed zone. It was a mix of a couple of things to me. I thought that they just generally looked kind of uncharacter uncharacteristically out of sorts in this game. The play calling was pretty suspect at times. I would attribute the struggles mostly, though, to just the depleted personnel situation that they had to work with. This version of the offensive line, which is not great, we'll get to that a little bit later, in addition to the receiver group that was rolled out today, of Woods, NWI, Cody Hollister, and Mason Kinsey off the practice squad. It made for a, a recipe for disaster, some serious lack of firepower, and their shortcomings as an offense were really only multiplied in the short fieldage situations they found themselves in when they ended up getting to the red zone. So until the Titans find some stability on the offensive line and they get some of these weapons back, I'm pretty comfortable saying that I think the red zone success rate is going to continue to come back down to earth for this team. Luckily, they, they had a guy in Randy Bullock today who, who made the kicks when they needed him to make them. So they got enough points on the board and the defense did enough to ultimately win the game. Our second winner today is Austin Hooper. Welcome to the party, Austin Hooper. I tweeted out at the time, hey, Austin Hooper did a thing. How about that? He... He's about a month late on showing up and doing anything for this team. He was perceived as this sneaky good offseason addition to the Titans really terrible tight end room that they had coming into this year. And, and after last year in this spring and summer, that was what he was seen as. He's going to be this guy that can come in and bring some juice to the tight end room, especially in that receiver role. And then just six weeks later, he was the subject of trade deadline rumors for all the wrong reasons. There were many, including folks that I respect, like Mike Herndon, and I didn't blame him at the time, saying, hey, if the Titans are going to make a move sending somebody off at the trade deadline, maybe Austin Hooper is a good candidate for that. You could get somebody to to pay for him and, and bring him in and get maybe some you know draft compensation in return. Because Hooper had 
done so little for this team with just six receptions and 55 yards in his first five games. He just wasn't contributing to the passing game at all. And that's what he was brought in to do. He's not a tight end that is an elite blocker. He's not that guy. That's why they continue to roll Jeff Swaim out there to, to help this poor offensive line with their blocking assignments. In week seven, though, Hooper ended up showing up. He led the Titans in receptions and yards. He had three catches for 56 yards against this really stout Colts defense and solid secondary that they have. Head coach Mike Vrabel talked about him in his postgame press conference. Here's what he had to say about his tight end's success. trust in him and you know, we're just able to get him out there today and you know had two really nice catches down the field had the, had the third down you know being able to cut back in and keep that drive alive which was, which was great this is a good launching pad for hooper he needs to parlay this performance though into some more good weeks going forward in order for him to really justify the price tag um that that the amount that he cost this team to be proved a good investment he has to have more weeks like this frankly and with the state of this Tennessee passing game there is plenty of room for him to step up and lead in that in that capacity we have got a couple more losers and winners to get to today but we're going to do that after we go to producer JT with the news Let's get into the news on this Victory Monday, starting off with continuing to talk about this Titans win over the Colts, defeating them 19-10. A couple stats here to see how dominant the Titans have been against the Colts. It has been 710 days since the Colts last beat the Titans. Mike Vrabel, he's 5-0 off the bye now, and that winning streak is now extended to seven games for the Titans, consecutive wins off the bye. And... In those 5-0 games off the bye for Mike Vrabel, he's outscored his opponents 151-60 to in those games with an average margin of 18.2. They've been very dominant off the bye, and that continues. It's tremendous. I asked Mike Vrabel in his post-game press conference, you can find that video on my Twitter account, just what he attributes the success he's had coming off of this extended rest because not only is he 5-0 and coming off of the bye, he's also 9-0 and as a as a the titans are nine and zero as a team coming off of extended rest of any kind including mini buys from thursday night football games and and stuff like that so nine and zero off of nine or more days of rest in the regular season really tremendous i asked him about it and he didn't really love the question to be honest he ended up saying that he would have to go and look at it but ultimately he would guess it probably has something to do with turnovers that's, of course, a big theme of any game. The turnovers uh, lead to wins most of the time. If you win the turnover battle, you're going to win games. The Titans won the turnover battle today, 2-1, to one, ended up winning by nine points. So that's how it goes. If your team is executing well, not forcing turnovers and not allowing turnovers to go into the hands of the other team, that's going to lead to a, a winning recipe. It's really tremendous how well the Titans have done against the Colts the last couple of years. 
I'm old enough to remember the Colts being the uh, bona fide class of the AFC South for the entirety of the spring, summer, and early fall. The last two off seasons, we're in this cycle now where the Colts get into quarterback and they're good all of a sudden. Everybody loves them because they're this blue blood NFL program that that people love to get behind. Not to mention, Jim Irsay is insane and um, loves to run his mouth. And the Colts GM also loves to Chris Ballard, just talk to every media member under the sun. So they pay him back with a little pat on the back by making them the best team in the league all summer long. And then we get to the uh, regular season and they can't win against the Titans. 710 days since they beat the Titans. I remember that game. I was there. It was when Phillip Rivers came in to Nissan Stadium for the first and only time as a Colt. That is the first game of the year in that series between the Titans and the Colts. And uh, that was a game where the turnovers were determining the game in that one as well. The Titans had the punter from FedEx in that game who uh, accounted for essentially 14 points by himself. They also missed a field goal. The Colts ended up running away with that one because the Titans had an incredibly undisciplined game. The shoes on the other foot. Now the Colts continue to have these undisciplined games with turnovers. The Titans end up winning. That's kind of the nature of divisional matchups. Anything can happen. They're always gross and ugly, um, and they're always hard fought no matter the perception of how good each team is. Rarely are they blowouts, so you have to win the turnover battle and be the more disciplined team. Jim Mersey definitely has his head in his hands tonight. I guess last night since we're recording this. That's right. Let's right. talk about King Henry. And for all of you who said Henry is washed, he never went away. King We're going to continue to stomp on your graves because you're exactly. morons. We tried to tell you. We tried to tell you. Three straight games now of 100 plus, 100 plus rushing yards. Today he had 29 carries for 107 yards, and he is now third in the league in rushing with 536 yards. So King Henry is back. I don't think he ever left, but he is here, and he's making an impact for this Titans team. He is. This this Titans run game today was really not all that great. I was tweeting about how it was pretty lackluster today. Despite that, Henry still got his runs in. I don't attribute much of today's lackluster run offense to Henry himself. The, the line, which I'm going to tear into here in a moment, was just bad across the board again. So... He ended up breaking a couple, and it was actually interesting. He, he had two or three runs today where it looked like he was finally going to break one off. We've been kind of waiting all year for him to have his big house call run, and he got so close twice today. I can remember vividly in particular, maybe even more than that, but two times I can think of off the top of my head where he got to the last guy, needed one block, needed to break one tackle, and got tripped up. I think the league as a whole is doing a better job of tackling Derrick Henry around the ankles because he's going down a little bit easier, but he, he seems to be kind of hamstrung every time he goes down. Every time I see him, it's not somebody taking him down around the waist of the shoulders. It's somebody hanging onto his shoes. So I guess kudos to the rest of the league for figuring that out. It should have been obvious from the get-go. Just looking at the guy, you should know you can't tackle him high. So uh, he, he, he had a good day, um, even on a bad running day overall. For the Titans, he still gets his 120-some-odd yards. Really, really impressive. Moving on to the rest of the AFC South today, as you said earlier, 
The Jacksonville Jaguars also took a loss today to the Giants, 23-17. to On hey, Speaking of the class of the AFC, I'm old enough to remember when the uh, the Jaguars were 2-1 and one and they were the class of the AFC South. They were the ascendant team. Do you remember that? I remember that. I do. What, I what's do their record that. now? They're 2-5. and five. Hmm. They are. Uh, Anyways, you know, continue. Now, you might say that the, the Giants are frauds, but they... The Jags made this one close today, coming down to a last-second play. Christian Kirk on the one-yard line. But the Giants, as I said in our episode on Friday, their defense gets it done for them. And they get another win and go to, I believe, 6-1. and one. Also talking about another AFC South team here, the Houston Texans, who drop another one to the Raiders today, 38-20. to 20. So the Raiders slowly but surely getting their season back on track and still a lot of growing pains down in Houston. Yeah, they continue to be, like I've been describing them all year, I think it's the, not to pat myself too hard on the back, but I think it's the perfect description. They are an incredibly low, incredibly low ceiling, competent team. They are, they are the, they are the worst competent team in the league right now. They are not a disaster. They play disciplined football. They, they play smart football. They don't really lack weapons. They just, like you said, it's growing pains. This team is a couple years away, I think. They may be a quarterback away. I'm still not sure on Davis Mills. I think he's fine, but is he good? I'm I'm not sold quite yet. Of course, Damian Pierce is a stud, and he's my favorite player in fantasy right now, and I, uh, I bought really high on him in the draft. I think that he's a bona fide star, and it's just going to continue to get better and better. They've got some receiving talent down there, and they've got some young talent on the defense. They are just determined to lose every game by uh, like five to ten points. They they hang around in games. They score points. They just can't put it all together. And knowing the Titans, they've got to be scared, even though the Texans are one of the worst teams in the league, both statistically and their record. We know this Titans team loves to throw games to the Texans. The Texans are the thorn in the Titans' foot, just like the Jaguars are the thorn in the Colts' foot in recent history. So the Titans going into Houston next week, it won't be a cakewalk. And we know the Titans love to blow these kinds of games and or at the very least make these kinds of games way closer than they should be. I'm tr- Right now, thinking back to the last handful of Texans games the Titans have played, in the three most recent games, we're all incredibly close, one of which the Texans ended up winning. So this almost certainly won't be a blowout, and the, te- the Titans have to be at least a little bit worried about this Texans team tripping them up before they go on the road to play in Arrowhead on Sunday Night Football the next week. Moving on to our final little bit of tidbit of news, more just podcast news here. Let's talk about yeah. our best bet gauntlet, which if you loyal viewers have been following along all season, we are finally, well, almost tied up, but we, he is, Easton Freeze is now just a half pick ahead of me. I, of course, today went three of two today, winning our three head-to-head matchup off whatever you want to call it going two and we one did we had games. three head-to-head picks today and you ended up winning yeah and easton you went two and three not bad but always room for improvement that brings your record to 17 16 and two finally i am 500 after going two and eight through the first two weeks at 17 17 and one and 
All I got to say is I can't wait for next week. <laughs> JT continues to creep up on me. He's had a really hot couple of weeks here. I have unfortunately been tre- – I have not fallen apart in any week, but I've just been treading water for three weeks now in a row going two and three. Some tough picks today. The San Francisco pick, I'm not sure I'd make it again. That defense is just – I mean, we've seen – have we seen any other side of the ball in recent memory go from – worst to or excuse me first to worst like this san francisco second uh secondary has gone in particular to their their defense in general but the secondary is just so bad i know they're banged up all over the place on that defense but they were paper mache today against the kansas city chiefs it was really rough i don't know what happened the offense looked like they were doing enough to hang in that game if the defense could do anything they couldn't that was a tough one i should have won the jags pick it should have been Easton's three and two. JT is two and three, but that's how it goes. The Jaguars are a cursed franchise in the red zone right now, and they uh, just kept giving the ball away. The Giants continue. I'll keep saying it. They're the luckiest team in the league. That's going to do it for our news segment for today. Thank you, producer JT. Let's get back to the winners and losers. The next loser that I want to talk about in this game is just health. The, the Titans' injury woes continue apace, and I'm kind of growing convinced they may never end. Let's start with who wasn't in the lineup before this game even began. The starters on the inactives list included wide receiver Kyle Phillips, linebacker Zach Cunningham, and guard Nate Davis. So I guess so much for getting healthy over the bye. We talked about this on the, well, it was supposed to be Friday episode, but Saturday episode last week. Um, they continue to struggle to get healthy, even with this early bye week throughout the course of the game, Tennessee then saw three star players go down as well. Crucial starters, including their quarterback. Of course, the good news is that all three ended up returning to the game, but none of them looked comfortable out there once they went back. So on the day that he broke the franchise record for consecutive QB starts with 49 in a row. Ryan Tannehill went down in the game with an ankle injury after being rolled up on by his own lineman. It was kind of a weird one. He was in the pocket and he just got the, the, the lineman that is got, got forklifted back into him and rolled up uh, on Ryan Tannehill's ankle. He initially tried to walk it off before he took a seat on the field. And then he made a trip to the blue medical tent for a little bit on the sideline, essentially just to get a pound of tape added to that foot. Went back in the game after missing just one play, but you could see um, that he was in some pain out there. He was not nearly as mobile or spry as he usually is. It led to him not playing as well as he otherwise would have. In the locker room after the game, he was walking around with one shoe on, a shoe off of the injured foot, and he was just grimacing with this serious limp. When he came to his press conference, he was wearing an air cast walking boot it's going to be interesting to see what the prognosis is on him this week. I wouldn't say that you're out of the woods quite yet. Titans fans. He, he looked kind of worse for wear. And that, that's the kind of injury. Obviously they let him go back in the game and, and they did the x-rays after the game. So I don't think he broke anything. He's in an air cast. He, he may have, but it'd be surprising if he broke anything after going back into the game like that. Um, I'm guessing it's probably a muscles or tendons or ligaments kind of thing where he may have just gotten rolled up on and sprained it and we'll have to see how long he's out if he is out or whether or not he thinks he may can just tape it up and be ready to go next week Malik Willis is not ready 
So I would brace yourselves for that news. Hopefully it's good. I don't think it's going to be anything season ending or anything like that, but he needs to be healthy for this team. Their backup situation is not great right now. We saw today Malik Willis not quite ready. They don't have any confidence in him, I think, yet passing the ball. So that's a big, big, big thing we'll be talking about all week. Center Ben Jones also went down on Sunday. And in classic Ben Jones fashion, he just gutted it out all day long. When I caught up with him in the locker room after the game to ask him how he was feeling, all he had to say was, we won, and just smiled. So, I mean, like, that was pretty metal. That was cool. Uh, but, but I don't think that he's feeling all that great. I don't know what exactly the nature of his injury was. But knowing Ben Jones, he'll probably shake it off and keep going. He is the toughest person on this team and maybe the toughest person in the league. I will stand by that. It's tremendous how much of a beating he can take and still keep going. The third star to fall was Jeffrey Simmons, who went down in the second half. All three of these guys tried to walk it off in the game and then just took a seat on the field, which was kind of funny how it all aligned. But uh, after he sat down, he too went to the sideline for just a little bit before he returned to play in the game. But once he returned, you could tell that in between plays, especially he was in pain. He was slow getting up. He was kind of hobbling around in the locker room. I heard him say to another reporter that he's going to be all right. So for the Titans sake, I certainly hope so. Those three will be massive, massive, massive names to watch for on the injury list this week. Our next winner is Bud Dupree. Now, if you've paid any attention to my work in the past month, you've known that I've been beating this drum for a while now. The Titans desperately need Bud Dupree on the defensive side of the ball. He's been amongst the most controversial members of this team since he signed his massive contract a year and a half ago. And his spurts of great play have been overshadowed by his injury issues and his enormous price tag. Availability with him has been the name of the game, and it's been really limited overall so far. And so it's it's led to... Many, I think, understandably souring on Bud Dupree. But the reality is that this is two different discussions. Yes, Bud Dupree has been a financial failure so far for the Tennessee Titans and for John Robinson. He's just not played enough to justify what the team is spending on him. And at this point, I'm not sure he can play his way back into the black on that ledger. I think he's just too far behind the eight ball. But when he is on the field... He makes a tremendous difference. On Sunday against the Colts, it was no exception. He had a sack and a tackle for loss that were topped off by a brilliant pair of QB hits that directly contributed to both of Matt Ryan's interceptions. The first interception that was the pick six, that one was almost entirely on Bud Dupree. He forced Ryan to make that throw really early, and it ended up being a poor throw because it was rushed and panicked. He had a big game. He had, I believe we saw our buddy here at broadwaysportsmedia.com, Justin Graver, um, over working with NFL.com as well. He, or NFL Network rather, he tweeted out something, and I apologize for not having this pulled up. I think Bud Dupree had something like eight or nine QB pressures today, which is tremendous. He was just on fire in this game. So when he is on the field, it's a big deal. And if he continues to stay on the field, it's a big deal. This defense is a totally different monster when he's out there. He offers so much off of the edge that the Titans need. Speed, explosiveness, and really just the ability to finish on these group efforts of pass rush. He's 
been knocked by people in the past for being kind of a cleanup artist, just cleaning up the messes that other guys have made messes in a good way, you know, pressure coming from Jeffrey Simmons or Nico Autry up the middle that is then finished off by Bud Dupree. I don't understand that criticism that you need a guy that can, can finish there. It is a team effort. So with this razor thin pass rush depth, the Titans have, or at least the, the, the razor thin depth they're currently dealing with, with the injuries, his presence is key to me for the defense and the pass rush in particular to continue to find success. Our last loser today is pass protection. It was another very standard issue, 2022 Titans offensive line kind of day. And that's to say it was really bad and continues to trend in the wrong direction. Once again, I can't wait to see the advanced metrics and statistics when they come out tomorrow. By the time you're listening to this, they should already be out there. So if you want to supp- supplement your listening, go and check those out. This one was hard to write about in the article. It's hard to talk about on the show because, like, frankly, I feel like I write this article and talk about this on the show every week. What more is there to say that hasn't already been said about this offensive line? I found a couple of things just to mention that you don't already or that you may already know, but we haven't already talked about. Nate Davis is just so desperately missed. We talked last week about how I didn't think he was going to miss this game. He ended up missing. He's going to be another massive name to watch on the injury report throughout the week. He's probably the best lineman on this roster, and and his absence the last two weeks has just been felt in such a big way. Filling in for him has been Dylan Radens, who, as you might could guess, has been pretty rough. He's long been suspected, Radens, of being a better fit at guard than tackle. And I've been talking about wanting to try him out of these different positions. Now he's had a, a real game, a couple of real game experiences at the guard position on the inside instead of playing tackle in Washington in week five before the bye. His game at guard was okay. It was it was fine. It was serviceable. He didn't break the game at all. In week seven, it went down really quickly. I mean, really quickly. In pass protection, he was a disaster. Friend of the show, James Foster, tweeted out at some point that he thinks Raidens may get a 0.0 pass rating grade, uh, pass uh, pass protection grade from PFF just because of how bad he was in this game. I mean, it was a disaster in pass pro. We don't have all the advanced metrics and stats yet, but the eye test would tell you it's going to be bad news when they're available. There's just no way it's positive for him. And then I can't move on without a little bit of Dennis Daly slander. I'm so out on Daly. If you listen to anything I've said about him or the Titans in the past couple of weeks, you know that I am out on Dennis Daly. He continues continues to be an untenable left tackle for this team. And the combination of Daly and Raidens in the lineup is just a disastrous recipe. It does not work. This Tennessee passing game, I think, has a very hard and very low ceiling with this level of pass protection. And if things don't improve quickly, returning weapons may just not really matter all that much for Ryan Tannehill and company. It may not matter that they get these guys back if the pass pro can't give them time to pass the ball on a regular basis. Now, I said it was three winners and three losers. I lied a little bit this week. Instead of making an honorable mentions segment or portion of the article at the beginning, I just threw this at the bottom. Just a little bonus winner is Randy Book because I couldn't talk about the winners and losers from this game without giving Randy his due. Fat Randy, great day kicking the ball. He got his team a much-needed three-pointer on four different occasions. 
stepping up in class with each and every attempt. It was funny how in succession they kept getting harder for him. He was good from 27, 28, 38, and 48 on Sunday, which if you follow me on Twitter during the games, you know that I've coined, trademarked even, the Randy zone of 46 to 49 yards for Randy Bullock. He misses those field goals on a regular basis. Didn't today. Big is big for Randy. Big for Randy. Those four field goals in uh, this one game is the most for him in a single game since joining the team in 2021. That's all I've got today. Um, it, it's a little bit of a, not a little bit. I mean, it's a significantly smaller episode, no doubt. But hey, guess what? If you've followed me on Twitter this week, you know that I'm getting married this week. So um, I'm really busy and uh, kind of worn thin. If I've sound a little scatterbrained in this show, I apologize. It's because I got a lot going on in my life right now. And it's been a very long day. But uh, I hope you enjoy this victory Monday. And the Titans have a big game coming up in Houston on Sunday. Hey, before you go, just a couple of things. If you are not a Broadway insider already, go and become one. Today, you can get a lot of great things. You can get our articles that are behind the paywall. Justin Mello of BroadwaySportsMedia.com and the Draft Network, he has got an article coming out tomorrow that will be behind the paywall talking about a couple of the mid-season moves the Titans have made, or not moves, but adjustments, rather, that have been good and a couple of them that have been really bad and just evaluating what the Titans need to keep trying and what they need to give up on. I've already read it. It's already written. It's going to come out uh, sometime early this week. You're going to want to read that. You got to become an insider to do so. You also have to be an insider to get the full Mike Herndon show, which is on every Thursday afternoon slash evening. We do uh, that show every week going through the tape from the previous week. We'll be back at it this week. Didn't have any tape last week to look at, but now we do. Mike Herndon, who you know and love, surely if you follow the Titans, does a great job on that show, and I am the executive producer, so that's a lot of fun. You can't get the full show unless you're a Broadway insider, which you can go to the site and become today for just 99 cents for your first month, and then after that, it's the price of one trip to Starbucks a month. That's a great deal uh, for all the content we give you. And then if you want to become an annual member, use code annual when you check out to get 20 bucks off a yearly insider pass $49.99 for the whole year set it and forget it become an insider get all our content all year long it'll be great that's going to do it for us today i hope you have a great week we will be back on friday morning to discuss the titans heading to the houston texans to play another very big divisional game until then i'm easton freeze for producer jt this has been the hot read podcast talk to you on friday 